Welcome back to Trip Off of Sports Talk. I'm Josh. This is Bryce, and that's Roy. First, we're going to start off with saying this is episode 10. Thanks, guys, for watching so many episodes. We're kind of shocked that it's already been 10 weeks since we've yeah. been doing this, boys. Going by um, fast. I know. Going by fast. First, we're going to start off with saying we thank you guys for watching. So if you're new here, hit the like button, subscribe, and comment. It means helps us grow and tells us what you want to watch and what we should be doing for the future. Football's coming to an end. And baseball is going to start ramping up, but we're going to have some downtime here. So we're going to be looking into the comments to figure out what we want to do next. Yep. So um, we had NFL playoffs begin this week. So we're going to start with some NFL football. And that's going to lead us off into the first game of the week. The uh, five-seed Houston Texans, or excuse me, the five-seed Cleveland Browns, excuse me, go into Houston and play the four-seed Houston Texans. And they and Houston wins 45-14. to 14. Roy, what are your takeaways from the first game of the week? I was actually surprised by how bad uh, the Browns' defense turned out to be. Um, I really thought they'd be a better – they would give it more of a game. But Texas came out and did exactly what they were supposed to do um, with that young team. The, uh, C.J. Stroud came out and just threw the ball really well to Nico Collins and did a, and just did what they were supposed to do. Um, that's, that's Houston came out ready to play. Um, that home crowd really got behind them pretty good, I felt. But the Browns um, – what got them in trouble? They got down early, and they had to rely on Joe Flacco. And nothing yeah. against Joe Flacco; he's a great, he was a great quarterback in the past. But he's too old and not just not right. I mean, he can't do that all on his own. Not enough weapons around him to get the ball to people. And Cleveland just didn't didn't have enough to, to compete with that young team of Texas. Bryce, what did you take away from this game? We all picked the Browns, but you did say you thought the Texans could go in and yeah. could say it. This is why I wanted the Texans to beat the Colts because I thought the Texans. Were the most exciting team, the most exciting young team that I thought could win a playoff game. And that's what they did. They came out, they beat up on an older team, and they just absolutely destroyed them. I mean, it wasn't even like a good game to watch. Uh, Texans are, this is the type of thing that you see whenever you see Dynasty starting to be built. They have a bunch of young players who they're not going to have to pay for a few years who are already getting themselves into the playoffs. I mean, if you grow on that for two, three years, you're looking at Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, like the Chiefs. Like you see dynasties getting built off these teams that build around their young players. And I love to watch it. I really like CJ Stroud. I think he's a good quarterback back there. It seems like he's a good person as well. Uh, congrats on the Texans for winning. I think this is going to be their biggest text test next week going against the Ravens. But congrats on the Texans. I am. Uh, yeah, I, I was really, I was really impressed with the Texans. You know, their offense has been real good all year, but I was really impressed with their defense. They really took away that run game from Cleveland, yep. and they made Cleveland throw the ball all day long. And you know, I know they don't have Nick Chubb, and I know it's easier to get away from that run game. But if I'm Cleveland, I probably stick with the run just a little bit longer than I did. But uh, they had no run game outside of that. So it made, like Roy said, it really made them light, lean on Joe Flacco. And at the end of the day, if you're Houston, that's a win. And it ended up causing them a win. Getting two yeah. pick sixes back-to-back really at home changed the game. You know, if they don't get those, it could really swing to a close game. Um, the Browns' injuries finally showed to me, you know, their defense could not get a stop. Um, and Houston has had a good offense, but they've never been – you know, the number one offense in the league, but they the, the injuries really showed for Cleveland. And also for me, this is a culture win for Houston. And all year I've said that I would pump the brakes on Houston because they don't have a first round pick. I was wrong. They do have Cleveland's first round pick this year in the Deshaun Watson trade. So that likes me. This makes me think this is even better of just a win culture, win rookie head coach, rookie quarterback, first home game 
and they just blow out the Browns, who they fleeced in the trade. So this is a good win yep. for Houston. And for the Cleveland, like I said, it was an injury-riddled season. I was just impressed they made it this far. But uh, you knew their time was running short here with yeah. some of the teams in the AFC. Um, that's going to lead us into the Saturday night game where Miami goes into Arrowhead and loses 26-7. to Bryce, I'll let you lead it off. You thought Miami would have won this game, and that was your pick. So I'm going to let you go over this one. Yeah, I mean, Miami, the, the issue was this is like – it was the iceberg game. I mean, it was so cold, and – Whenever you're a team built around just absolute speed like that, it's really hard to run your offense. I mean, I don't think Tua really even threw the ball that much this game. It was a lot of running. And typically whenever we see, like, run teams playing in the cold, they got big linemen, they got big running back who are going downfield. The Dolphins just don't have that. I mean, they're small all the way around, but they're a speed offense, which I love to watch, but it doesn't work in the cold. So moving into the future where they're going to be playing on playoffs. Uh, if they don't get a home seed at Miami, it looks bad for them. I mean, Tua can't play in the cold at all. He's not from a cold area. He went to Alabama and now he plays in Miami. The guy's never played in the cold and you just absolutely can't like train for that unless you go live there and play there every day. Yeah. But props to the chief chiefs. Uh, I thought their defense stepped up a lot and I still don't see their offense clicking that well. I thought that their offense played better than it has in the past month, but I think they still have a little bit to go if they're wanting to go back-to-back Super Bowl years. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't see the Chiefs winning another game, in my opinion. I thought the weather really helped them, but I thought Miami was a better, better team still. So props to the Chiefs for coming out on top in a cold game like that. Well, what were your takeaways from the Chiefs game? Well, I, I, I mean, the cold hurt Miami, but I also think – the Chiefs defense came to play, and that's that oh, defense yeah. was legit. I mean, they they made it tough on uh, Tua all day. I mean, he I mean he he threw thirty nine times. He just it's just I mean it's hard to throw the ball when it's that cold. But I mean, it just they that defense was all over the place. And I mean, yeah. Chris Jones up there, and I mean or whatever, they played really well, and that defense came to play. Um, I agree that the Chiefs offense still is struggling, but. I mean, in that weather, I think the offense is going to struggle. But, um, hey, Patrick Mahomes may play when it needs to be played, when it needs to be done. And that's what's going to that's what's gonna save them and yeah. maybe next, next week. Um, but the defense, that defense kept them in the game and yeah. won that game for them. It's, and the offense made enough plays to score, and that's what you need in playoffs. So I um, yeah. give hats off to Andy Reid and his frozen mustache. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, you could Tua didn't play well in this game. It's cold, and like Bryce said, you cannot train for that. You cannot train in Miami to play in that kind of weather. It's just physically impossible. Um, but after Tua's head injuries last season, they made an effort to make sure he did not get hit. You know, and if he ran, it was a very slim chance that he would run. But he's getting down before anyone even got near. And the way that they are protecting Tua, it hurts them in a must-win game like this in the playoffs, in my opinion, because if he doesn't have that open receiver, he's really just getting rid of the ball. And he's not, you know, he's not making that extra effort to run like you see Patrick Mahomes does or Josh Allen do when the game's on the line and it's a first third and five and he rushes for five yards to get the first down and he lays his body on the line. Tua, the way they've designed this offense is to protect him. And I feel like that hurt them in this game. And in Miami, uh, to go with that, they had no run game at all, you know, Asian Mosert. I mean, Mosert led the NFL in touchdowns this year, but they just had no run game against this defense. And like Roy said, it's impossible to pass in this kind of uh, weather. 
40 plus times and win a football game. And for me, the Chiefs, like Bryce said, the Chiefs offense did look good. You know, they still struggled a little bit. They're definitely not firing on all cylinders. But something that came out to me was they got into the red zone six times. They finished with four field goals and two touchdowns. That's really not a recipe for success in tight ball games. You need touchdowns, not field goals. And against Miami, it didn't seem to matter. And if your defense plays as well as it did, it won't matter. Field goals are going to win. But I feel like if they get into a shootout with Buffalo or Baltimore or somebody later, those field goals could really come back to hurt them. But to me, the issue with the red zone is we don't see Travis Kelsey being the dominant touchdown catcher that we've seen in the past few years that have made him one of the all-time greats. He just – he looks slow. Like, he doesn't – and it makes me think, you know, Jason Kelsey just announced his retirement. Like, maybe they just don't want to do this anymore. You know, they're – He's not as old as Jason is, but he's at a different position where maybe he, he uses his body more. But it doesn't seem like either one of the Kelsey boys really were wanting to play a lot this year. Yeah. No, I, 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 I Travis is getting bumped and hit and, and when they rise up, yeah. they're, they're, they're keeping um, – because they, you still got bad receivers in, in, on the mm-hmm. outside yeah. of Travis or Kelsey. So they could double team. They were chipping them. I mean, they're – and that cold weather, when you're getting hit, constantly chipped, mm-hmm. you're not going to get open. But, I mean yeah. – he is. He, I will agree. He's slower. I just think there's a lot. I think a lot else going on besides him getting, you know, getting the ball. But the, um, I think that the Chiefs, I, if they need a play, they they can get it to him if they want to force something. Yeah. And then in a big game, and like if they need to, I think they still will try to go to Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I do agree with you, Roy. That you know he's getting bumped, but and like you said, the receivers. Every year other than this year, they've always had receivers who would at least catch the ball, you know, if they're open. You know, they might not be the fastest since they lost Tyree Kill, but they had receivers who were comparable. Like Juju Smith-Schuster played well for them last season, especially down the playoff stretch. I just feel like they don't have that guy outside of Rice. Rice played very good against Miami. So maybe maybe that's the leap they need because they've been able to double and triple team Kelsey this year, I think, because they're not afraid of anyone else beating them. Um, But with Rice stepping up like he did in Miami – I mean, I know the Chiefs don't look as good as they have been in the past, but, man, I'm telling you, it's still not a team I want to play because they know how to get it done in January. Yeah. Yep. Um, that's going to take us into Sunday where we had really the only real shocker of the week. Uh, Packers go into Arlington and just blast the Cowboys 48-32. to 32. I'm going to go last here because I want to let everybody else speak because I'm going to rant for about 10 minutes. So, Roy, go ahead and r- talk about what you saw. Um, Dallas's defense let let your fans down. Your defense did not did not show up. I mean, in the playoffs, you've got to have a defense, and um, you you and your defense can't couldn't stop Jor, uh, Jordan Love, who had a great game. Not, but yeah. I mean, they ran the ball well. Uh, I mean, Aaron Jones ran the ball under twenty, you know, one hundred eighteen yards. Uh, and I'm not saying in your offense didn't look bad. Dak Prescott, you know, a couple interceptions, and that yep. and that hurts. But when your defense just gives up 48 points, I mean, uh, I mean that's just that was pathetic. I mean, yep. tap, I just noticed with when the of the game, all the games that the teams lost, their defenses couldn't tackle. That's where you get yourself in trouble when yep. you can't when you can't make get the person. One person can't get at least hold them down to get the gang tackling done. That's just that's going to hurt your team. And I thought Dallas was one of those teams that just your defense let you down. Um, and that's and that's the bad part about. I mean, a great football team that just just you just got destroyed by a, a a decent offense and not a great offense. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with Roy. The Cowboys defense definitely let them down, but the Packers coaching staff 
they're probably the best coaching staff in the league. And yeah. I hate to say that as a Bears fan. They don't have a single pro bowler on that offensive side, which is crazy because I think Aaron Jones might be the most underrated rusher in the entire league. I mean, the guy doesn't go down. He runs and nobody can tackle him. He He's always getting extra effort first downs. And it it's super frustrating to watch the Bears fan happening every, every week. Uh, but their offensive scheme, they use what they have perfectly. I mean, it doesn't look like Jordan Love throws a hard pass ever. He's just completing perfect schemes that are just unbelievable to watch. I mean, it looks like they're just walking through defenses. It happened. It happens week in and week out. Jordan Love has this crazy stat game, but you didn't see any like amazing plays. The guy just sitting back there thrown to wide open people. I, I mean, defenses can't stop what the Packers have going on right now. But to the Cowboys, burning Dak jerseys is crazy. I mean, I've been seeing that all week. He was an MVP candidate half the year, and he put up like 400 yards and then 32 points. I don't care if you call it junk time. That's hard to do. Uh, scoring 32 points should win you a playoff game, especially against a team like the Packers with no pro bowlers. The defense is literally wasn't there. I thought that was going to be the difference is that they have good secondary defense, and I thought maybe their tackling could help, but they didn't tackle anybody, and they just – allowed anybody to catch the ball that whoever wanted to. So yeah. I pride myself on not being a biased Cowboys fan. I do obviously they're my favorite team. You're gonna show, you know, your portion of bias in that regard. Um I'll give it to the Packers. Hats off. They outcoached Dallas hundred percent. Every every skilled position, um special teams, coaching staff, they were out coaching everything. Uh, their offensive line looked absolutely phenomenal. Not saying that was the offensive line coach, but they didn't give up a sack all day, and I don't care if you're up or down. Um, that's hard to do, especially against that good Dallas front, because the Dallas front, even though they couldn't stop the run, they hadn't done that all year, they did get after the passer, and they didn't give up a sack, so hats off to them for that. Um, on to the Cowboys' side. The defense was horrible. Um, you were playing man-to-man all season long, and every third down in the first quarter before the game got out of hand, they went into a zone coverage, and Romeo Dobbs is running across the middle of the field, 30 yards downfield, wide open every play. Um, why they went to zone on every key third down in the first quarter was beyond me. Receivers wide open all day long for Packers. I mean, Jordan Love didn't have a hard throw all day. I mean, you could have thrown Bryce out there, and he was at least going to throw it into the general area and make, yep. they were going to make a reception. There was no coverage. Um, they were confused on everything. They couldn't stop the run, but they couldn't do that all year long. So I'm, I don't really – uh, put too much weight into that. Aaron Jones' stat line looks really good. He had a couple long ones and three goal line touchdowns, but I don't even think it was the running that blew. It was just the pass game that was so shocking. For the Cowboys' offense, they did put up 32 points, but it was all in crap time. Um, they didn't score a point until the first half ended. Um, their entire offense was off schedule the entire first half. You could see it throwing a CD lamb. They're just off the click. Dak's first read every play, every play was covered and it made him go to check two, check three, and they couldn't get anything going, Um, which hats off to the Packers defense. You know, they're a bottom 10 defense in my opinion, especially up the middle that they were the 32nd ranked pass coverage defense up the middle. CeeDee Lamb didn't get a target up the middle other than one play on a third down first drive. After that, it was all on the outside. It was just beyond me. Um, And for the Cowboys, this was your easiest road to a Super Bowl in a long time, you've you sh- you could have taken care of 
uh, Green Bay. You got Detroit is who you would have played at home again, who you've already played at home two weeks ago. And then you would have had a dogfight against the Niners. You probably would have lost, but it's a 50-50 game, you know? Who cares? Um, It's just an abysmal performance. They got out coached, and nothing pisses me off more than that. I I don't care that Dak didn't play good the first half. It doesn't matter. You gave up 48 points. They weren't scoring 50. I mean, they just weren't. Um, it's time for a shakeup somewhere. Not saying it has to be the coaching staff. I like Mike McCarthy. I think he's coached well, especially in the regular season. But to get out coached that bad by Matt LaFleur here, I, something has to change. Either coaching staff, player personnel, Dan Quinn's long gone, even though he's done great things in Dallas. He's long gone. Um, I don't, I'm not saying I have the idea. What do you have to say, Roy? You need a GM. I mean, Jerry Jones no. is well, past that, that's not happening. So I, it doesn't matter if we want that or not. That won't happen. Yeah. Um, I'm just ranting at this point. Um, hats off to the Packers, though. You know, kick the shit out of Dallas. They deserve that win. Um, I hope they get their ass kicked by the 49ers and no pun offended, but I'm going to move on because I'm going to sit here all day and just talk about it. But uh, that's going to take us into was definitely a game of the week. Uh, yeah. Rams go into Detroit, the Matthew Stafford return, and they the Rams lose 23-24. to 24. Uh, I'll start with you, Roy. What did you take from this game? Well, I got to say, Lions did defense. Ben, don't break. I mean, that's the key. You made the Rams kick field goals. That's what that's what won the ball game. There were uh, they Rams moved up and down the field. I mean, they, I didn't have I felt like they didn't have a problem moving up the field down the field. And when you can't, we're not giving red zone touchdowns and making them kick field goals. That's what saved you saved the game. Um, your defense just did enough to to keep the lead to keep the win. And in your offense, I felt like they ran the ball well. And Jared Golf did this, the little things. He didn't make anything. He didn't try to do anything overly uh, exciting. Um, he just made the little plays. That 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 that's just, that's the winning success there for Detroit. If you want to keep going, you just you can't make Jared Golf win that ball game. You've got to just make him manage the ball game and then have your defense hopefully just continue to do what it was doing because they did. I thought the defense did a great job of just kept hitting Matthew Stafford, just making sure they were in his face all the time. Um, yeah. got to him a couple times and he, he, I mean, he got hurt. He got banged up pretty good, you know, hitting his hand. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, they did a good job of, I mean, they gave up yardage, but Hey, that's what you, you can, you can win ball games by making them kick field goals. And that's what Detroit yeah. did. And, and hats off to their first win since in 30 years or whatever it is. So good job by them and happy for them. Yeah. Uh, Lions won this. They played old school NFC North football, run the ball, play good defense. And that's a key. That's their key to success. If I still see the issue with the lions is if you're giving up one or two red zone touchdowns, you're not scoring enough points in a short game like that to beat these uh, high explosive teams. Like the Rams, they moved the ball perfectly fine. It didn't really look, they had much issue. I mean, Puka Nakua was open whenever he wanted. I felt like Cooper Cup could get the ball about whenever he wanted as well. They just couldn't – they didn't have any red zone uh, scoring because I didn't – I don't think that the Rams' run game is quite as good as what some people hype it up to be. I think they have a little bit of issues there. Um, But the Lions did – they played great. uh, Great, like, old-school football. And if you let them play their game, they're going to win. I mean, they'll beat any team in the league if you play their game, a close game where they're going to run the clock down. 
and just play good defense. So the key to success to beating the Lions is scoring early, and they just didn't do that. you got to make Jared Goff start to be the one that's got to win the ball game and not letting their two premier running backs just run it down your throat all game, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you, Roy, 100%. The defense bend but not break. The defense did its job. They didn't play perfect, but they did not give up the, the touchdowns, and it kept them in the game and let them still run the ball like they like to. Um, I thought it was a great game plan from Detroit. Yeah. You know, it, it's, the, it's the same game plan they do. They run the ball well, they take their play-action shots, and they throw it to Amon Ross St. Brown because he's open every play. Um, the running backs shine for Detroit, one touchdown each. They both looked really good. And I thought the biggest thing was Goff didn't make any mistakes. You know, when he doesn't turn the ball over, they play well, and they usually are right there at the end. Um, This game meant a lot to Goff, you could tell. He wanted that revenge game. I didn't see that on the Rams' side. I felt like the Rams were just playing football. The noise didn't really affect Matthew Stafford. But when I watched the Lions play, you could just tell the Lions wanted it just a little bit more. On on every play, it just felt like. Um, And for the Rams, like Bryce said, Puka Nakua, it was Puka Nakua's show. Where is Cooper Cup? He didn't even have, what, 30, 40 yards receiving? To me, when Cooper Cup, before Puka Nakua got there, it was Cooper Cup show. One-man offense. It felt like he got the ball every play. Now I feel like they've done it. In, they've rotated it into Puka Nakua, which is fine. But I think the Rams really struggle at getting the other receivers involved. I really – it feels like it's it's one guy, and he gets the number one route, and they hit him a lot. But it's – what if that's covered? Then what? I just feel like that's where they kind of struggle, and that's really what would make that offense explode. And for the Lions, you just got to be happy for them. I know I'm not a Lions fan. Bryce hates the Lions, but it's been a long time for that organization, and you have to be happy for them, and they deserve yeah. that one that Sunday night. So good for the Lions, um, and happy for Dan Campbell because he's a cool guy, not going to lie. That's going to take us into Monday where we had the frozen tundra where the game was postponed on Sunday into Monday. Uh, Pittsburgh goes into Buffalo and loses 17-31. to I'll go first on this one. The Bills took care of business. This should not have been a close game. It really wasn't. The Steelers actually hung around there longer than I thought. Um, but they sh- this was not a game, really. Allen looked good, as he should have. Without T.J. Watt playing, he didn't have that much of a pass rush into him. He ran the ball. I mean, what an unbelievable run for a touchdown. I mean, but... Um, I don't have a lot in this game because it's it went exactly how it was supposed to. And for me, for on the other side, for Pittsburgh, I'm very confused on the route that they're going. Mike Tomlin doesn't have losing seasons. He's almost in the playoffs or in the playoffs every single season. And yet they make the playoffs and they're on to their third-string quarterback in Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph has been there for five years or so. You know what you have in Mason Rudolph. He was not going to win you this football game. Kenny Pickett might not have either. But to me, that's a better chance than Mason Rudolph. I'm just kind of confused on their – are they done with Kenny Pickett now because he's healthy, he could have played. Um, just a lot of questions there. And I don't really understand the way that they're trying to go with this organization. But heads off to Buffalo for taking care of business. It's me. Uh, Buffalo is – I see them as probably the second Super Bowl favorite in my opinion. I think that their offense is unbelievably good because Josh Allen is – he's the best quarterback in the league. I hate to say it. He is better than Patrick Mahomes right now, and I'd, I'll debate that with anybody. He is a one-man offense. The guy's got like 30 passing touchdowns in his playoff career already in like four years or something like that. The guy's unbelievable. But then on the Steelers' side, your coaching is fine. Like, 
you just don't have a quarterback over there. Your defense plays good. I mean, they didn't have T.J. Watt, right, in this nope. game? he was out. Imagine they had T.J. Watt and they had a good quarterback. That's a good team, and that's somebody that you can have next year play. I saw so many Steelers fans talking about how they hung around in their game more than all these other teams. It wasn't a good game. They were getting their ass kicked. They suck with Mason Rudolph back there. I mean, but to me, that looks like promise for next year because this is somewhere like uh, Kirk O'Chains could go. Oh, yeah. You're a good team if you get Kirk Cousins next year. You could trade up in the draft, somebody like that. Sign a veteran quarterback. That's a team that's ready to win, in my opinion. So, Next year, I feel like they have something to look forward to. But props to the Bills; they're one of my, they're probably my second favorite team in the league, and I, I love watching Josh Allen play. I mean, the guy's an animal. I agree. Uh, Josh Allen played; he played out of his mind. I mean, he, he just, yeah. I mean, he ran the ball, he threw the ball well in a bad weather. I mean, that's that's hard to do the way he the yeah. way he played. And um, yeah, I don't think it was close. It, the score, I mean, yeah, thirty-one seventeen. It really wasn't that close. Uh, Buffalo's defense kind of made mistakes there. Uh, middle of the middle between the second or second third quarters that kind of let um, Steelers have the ball and just some bad coaching things I thought the that um, Buffalo did in the middle quarters to kind of let yeah. Pittsburgh stay in it. But other than that, um, Pittsburgh. I mean, yeah, give um, give uh, Mike Tomlin credit. I mean, that guy doesn't matter who he has, bad players, good players, he he wins, and yeah. he does not have a quarterback. I don't think he has the right personnel on defense or offense to play the way he wants to I think they I mean Jalen Warren and Najee Harris are decent running backs but they need some more explosiveness out of some of yeah. some of their key players and their quarterback situation I don't think I think Kenny Pick I don't know I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback I think this was a I think the reason they they tried Mason Rudolph was basically this I think this is his last uh hurrah with them and I think they were just saying hey let's see what he's got because I don't think they knew they were going to win this game because I don't, yeah. there's just no way. Even with Kenny Pickett, I don't think they could have won. And I, I, they're not one of them that's going to spend a lot of money on a quarterback for like Kirk Cousins or somebody like that. They're going to try to draft and develop because that's what the Pittsburgh does. They like to draft and yeah. develop. That's that's who they are. And but um, then and he, and he will maybe Kenny Pickett's the guy they just want to get him. They don't want to go in there and get his butt beat in the playoffs and and then have a you know have not have a good career after that. But uh, yeah, give give Buffalo credit. They're a scary team. Uh, you know, yeah. you don't you don't want to play them. And, and now you host uh, Kansas City in Buffalo, where it's going to be yeah. cold again. Probably going to have a bunch of snow. They the difference is they can run the ball with either their running backs or Josh Allen. That is yeah. the key. Yeah. That's the big difference. And when you're it's that's cold and you can run the ball like that, I mean, they had 179 yards rushing between all of them. And yeah. I just. That's a good team, and I would be scared to play uh, to play uh, the Buffalo. Yeah, it'll be intriguing to see that matchup because yeah. we've seen it a few times, but it's always been an arrowhead every year. Yeah. This time, Bills finally get it to come to uh, Orchard Park there in Buffalo. That's going to take us to last night's game, Monday night, where kind of a shocker, but not really. You can see the writing on the wall. Eagles go into Tampa Bay and lose 32-9. to Roy, you picked Eagles in this one, so I'm going to let you go first on this one. Uh, gosh, the key word – to all these games was defense, right? The key yep. scenario and Eagles defense let let them let them down. I mean, they could not. I I've never seen so many missed tackles. Yeah, that early in the game, well, throughout the whole game, but to let that many. I mean, they had so many receiving. Or what was that? Two hundred receiving yards after, after the, the catch. catch. Yeah, before, before. I mean, that's just ridiculous. I mean, you missed tackle after missed tackle. They actually got close to the game. 
and then they miss a tackle on a long touchdown. And that was just that was just amazing me how bad their defense was. And I I mean, I know they had been progressively going bad all all season, but yeah. that defense was horrible. And then but the Buccaneers came out and they had a great plan. They threw the ball. They came out and just went through, Baker Mayfield was just slinging it everywhere. And that, yeah. that was great to see. Um good for him. And he was completing them to everybody. Three touchdowns. I mean, he just they, Buccaneers had a great game plan. Um, Jalen Hurts looked hurt. Did not. I mean, he when he was no. running, he looked weak. When he was throwing, he actually didn't throw the ball bad. But he just no. You could tell he was uncomfortable back there. He yeah. With you with without pressure was just not making was not making good decisions. And um, I just felt like the, a veteran team like Philadelphia, who had all these great players. All these uh, veteran players who were who were trying to make their last hurrah with them, like Jason Kelsey, and, and even all their linemen, all their line, you know, Brandon Graham on defense. Yep. And you could not muster up enough to send these guys out, at least with a playoff win this season, was embarrassing for Philadelphia. But yep. for the Buccaneers, great job. You did. I mean, you played a great game plan. Great job. Baker Mayfield came out and did way better than I thought he ever would. And yep. uh, hey, they moved on. That's what you have to do. Yeah. I, uh, I want to start off by giving props to the Bucks. I think because Baker Mayfield has always been one of my favorite players. I mean, he's just a likable guy. Who, and I like watching gunslingers I can play. I, I love guys that will go out there. They'll put their head down to run the ball, but they'll also throw the ball deep. They're out there to play and have fun football. Like That's my favorite to watch. But the Buccaneers, if you take away those tackles where they broke out free, I think they still put up 32 points. I don't think that the broken tackles was the issue. I think Baker Mayfield was just absolutely dicing that defense. I mean, he was playing out of his mind. It was like every third down stop, Baker made a play. And whether it was fitting it in a tight window, running for it, or throwing to a wide-open receiver like Mike Evans who was making plays, Bucks played great. Their offense looks good to me. Their running back – who I didn't I didn't think their run game was that great. They ran all over this defense, and Philly has one of the best defensive lines in the league, in my opinion. Uh, on the other side, the Eagles, they're flat out horrible coaching. I mean, it was every single third down. I think they only uh, converted one third down attempt. Jason Kelsey called out every single blitzer, every single play. If you watch it, and they he got it right every single time. I mean, the Buccaneers weren't even hiding it, and like after the first half that they were blitzing every third down or even some second downs, they sent blitzers the entire time and they were running Julio Jones deep or on screens. I know they didn't have AJ Brown, but they still have Smith. Julio Jones used to be one of the best wide receivers in the league. You got to have something to beat a blitz. It's, it's horrible to watch eight guys running Jalen hurts. And that guy shits himself whenever he gets pressure like that. I mean, there's been a few times this year where the coach has called up a bomb on fourth down I understand sometimes doing that, but this coach sucks, man. Philly's got to get rid of him. They have a great team right now who was literally just steamrolling people, and all of a sudden he can't call a play to save his life. It seems like teams have figured out what they were doing, started matching it, and they just made no changes the last two months of the year. I mean, you can literally just call out what play they're running before they run it every single time. And you're not going to put up more than nine points doing that. I'm, we've seen it for the last two months, and they still haven't made a change. So yeah, yeah. I mean, just what an overall collapse by Philly. I mean, you, you talk about being ten and one in the middle of the season. I mean, you're talking about one of the best teams in football that we've seen in a long time. And they are dominating people. Fit coming off a road win in Kansas City, a Super Bowl rematch from last year, and they were down, and they come back and win the football game in Arrowhead, and then 
the 49ers took it to them, and it's been downhill ever since. Um, to me, the offense was dead outside of Devontae Smith. He looked really good, I yeah. thought. Um, yeah. But he shined without A.J. Brown. But outside of him, really struggled. They couldn't – they ran a lot of screen passes. Reminded me of the Bears when I was watching yeah. the game. A lot of screens. Um, and they just could not go anywhere with them. Like, after a while, you got to start looking downfield a little bit. Um, can't they look good. I thought I thought the biggest key in the game was the first drive of the game. Tampa Bay gets the ball, they drive down, they score a touchdown. And what does Philly do? They're like, damn, here we go again. You know, if they go out there and they go three and out, Philly goes, All right, we got to stop. Yeah. We're fine. Let's go down and score and let's get some points. But Tampa Bay really took it to them. I mean, they did whatever they want. Like Roy said, they Philly couldn't tackle worth a damn last night. Um, those linebackers got exposed. They targeted Kate Otten 11 times, more than almost anyone double on the Buccaneers, and that tells me they were targeting that linebacking core from Philly who couldn't tackle, couldn't cover. They were fine in the run, but they could not cover. Um, so that I thought Philly got really exposed in that situation. And like Bryce said, that coaching staff needs to go for Philly. That has got to be the number one thing for them. The roster is a good roster. Every Philly fan will tell you that. Um, I think last year they got really carried – by their two coordinators, Gannon and something. The other one starts with an S. He went to uh, Indy to be their head coach. Indy and Arizona, their head coaches now. Uh, I think Sirianni was really carried by those two. How they got to the 10-1 and one start, I'm not exactly sure because they were rolling people, but it's all downhill from there. Uh, and they they need they got outcoached as well, I thought. Um, I think that's going to do it from just the games of this week. I thought most of the games were – Pretty good for the most part. A lot of them kind of went how you expected, really outside of maybe the Bucks and Eagles, but really just the Dallas game. It really was the one that shocked a lot of people. Texans and Browns were the coin flip. You know, you kind of thought it'd go either way. Texans just really took control. Um, and now we get the one seeds get jumping in the divisional with a week off. Before we go into next week's, so we're going to talk about some coach firings. We last week we talked about a little bit of the coach firings. And we're going to go over all the coach firings that happened. The Commanders fired Ron Rivera. The Falcons fired Arthur Smith. Thank God. The yeah. Titans shockingly fire um, Mike Vrabel. Kind of kind of shocked by that one. Um, probably the shocker of them all was Seattle firing or mutually parting, however yeah. you want to take it. Pete Carroll, I don't think anyone saw that one coming at all. No. Panthers fired their head coach in the middle of the season. Raiders fire Josh McDaniels midseason, and the Chargers fire Brandon Staley midseason. Um, and then you also got the Patriots. Oh, and the Patriots yeah. mutually parting with Bill, Bill Belichick. Belichick. That's, that is true. Um, those are the ones that have already happened. Are the Cowboys next? Are the Philly Philadelphia Eagles? I thought I said Phillies. Philadelphia Eagles next. Well, those are wait to be seen, but we're just going to go with the teams that we do know for sure. And – it's there. I'm going to open the floor to anyone. If any of those things you're surprised at, maybe you didn't think should have happened, maybe like a Pete Carroll situation, or maybe you're okay with it. Um, so, Bryce, I'll let you go first. Did anything shock you, or is there anything you want to talk about for potential fits? To me, it really shocked me that the two that shocked me were the Pete Carroll, because he's been a staple at Seattle for so long. I mean, he won him a Super Bowl. And then Bill Belichick. I mean, everybody knew that the Patriots are horrible right now, but a guy that coached arguably the best teams ever in NFL, that's hard to fire, man. Why do you not keep him 
on the roster somewhere. Maybe not the head coach, defensive coordinator, something. Uh, that's crazy because those two players right, or those two coaches right there, I feel like they could still coach somewhere next year and probably will. That's a lethal weapon you're giving to another team right there. Yeah. Uh, it, it it pisses me off that the Bears didn't fire their entire coaching staff because this is probably the best year in NFL history to do it. I mean, yeah. the amount of coaches that are on the market and yeah. some of the college coaches that are coming up, uh, this is the best year to hire a new coach if and you're looking for one. Just to clarify, the Patriots mutually parted with um, Bill Belichick ending their contract, and so he is a free agent free to sign elsewhere. He is not going to have to be in a trade. They mutually agreed that if he wanted to go somewhere, he deserves a right and not have to give up compensation. So yeah, that one's a little different than what we thought a week ago. Yeah, um, I uh, I think that the most perfect fit for Bill Belichick is the Cowboys. If they fire him, uh, you know, I know the Cowboys are America's team, but for a long time, in my opinion, it was the Patriots. And there's no better fit for Bill Belichick to go to the Cowboys and turn them into the Super Bowl dynasty that the Cowboys want to be. Roy, how about you? Anything shocking? Any fits that you like? Anything you want to talk about in this? Well, to me, you know, you talk about Pete Carroll. You talk about Bill Belichick. You talk about some of these coaches. The one that surprised me was Mike Rabel at Tennessee. Yes. My thing is, it's not the coaches. Several, Some of these were coaching, but like Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, Mike Rabel, um, those guys aren't bad coaches. I don't, I think they're great coaches. I think the problem is you're the GM, which in in the Patriots' problem is Belichick's picking the players, helping pick players come in here because I think the lack of talent on each one of those teams is what got them in trouble, um, yes. and that's what I think is hurting. That's uh, hurt like even the Raiders and teams like that. Your GMs are not giving you the tools to win, and that's where uh, that's where I think they got them in trouble is your GM, not the coaching staff. So. I think that's where I, you, the owners or whoever made made the mistake on who they should who they should get rid of. Now Pete Carroll, yeah. he he'd been there a while and he he hadn't been win. I mean, winning, but he's not like doing anything great in in Seattle for the last few years. Um, but he's still a good coach, and I and I think yeah. he'll bounce back somewhere. Bill Belichick's the one that gets me because I parting ways is I understand it's fine, but he likes control, and I don't know anybody on this uh, on this list who will give him control. Um, and that's the, yeah. I know he interviewed Atlanta, but maybe Atlanta's decided that they're going to do that. You're you're giving away a lot of control away when you have a guy yeah. like Bill Belichick. Um, who the like the Commanders? I think like the Commanders, the Titans, um, those Panthers. I think they're looking for a a young, hot flash offensive coordinator, or somebody. I think that's who they're going yeah. with. Like a Mike The rosters aren't ready to win yet. And I think that's why they're going with those younger names, trying to see if they can get somebody like a, you know, like some of the other teams. Now you say the Cowboys, I just, you, I don't know how you can get, get away from Mike McCarthy because yeah, I'd say he he's not fired yet, so technically yeah, the job I, is not open. Yeah, I just don't see how that would happen because your GM, yeah. I mean Jerry Jones, is just not giving you, is not doing no. what he needs to. And if um, Bill Belichick came into Dallas, he would be the coach, and that would be it. Yeah, and that would yeah. be it. Now I don't oh. think that, it, and that's what hurt between Jimmy Johnson and um, yeah, and and Jerry Jones and Barry Switzer, and I mean, it just you got one control, you can't have it. Um, yeah. The the Chargers is the ones the team that I think is ready to win now. I mean, they got the talent, they got everything no. they need. They they're ready to go. They just need a good coach. Their coach was terrible this year. Yeah, he was. Um, 
because that's the only team I see as, as a Michigan fan is Jim Harbaugh leaving for. I think Jim Harbaugh wants to go in a situation where you can win now. And the yeah. problem is he wants control too, because he had that, he didn't have control in San Francisco and that got him in trouble. Um, I don't know if the chargers are willing to give up control or not. I don't, I don't know the situation, but if there's yeah. a team, if Harbaugh's leaving for a team, it's the chargers. So I hope he doesn't, I hope he stays in Michigan, but, uh, um, Dan Quinn, I think, is in Seattle, but I think you got you got some teams that are that got I already got I, guys who they want, and yeah. it'll be different. Yeah, for me, the Seahawks and the Patriots, it was just the roster, or maybe not even the Seahawks so much. I want to shock me a little bit, especially the Patriots. It's just the organization is ready for a reset. You know, the Patriots were so bad for the first time in a long time. Bill Belichick, they were probably like, "Yo, all you've done for this organization, go be somewhere." where you can maybe jump in and start winning because we're a few years away. Um, and who knows how long Bill Belichick really has being a head coach. Um, the Seahawks one, I think they probably just – I think the Seahawks in general, the organization wants to just get younger. I think they – last year they snuck into the playoffs not expecting to be there after the Russell Wilson trade, kind of raised expectations, and this year they kind of fell flat on those a little bit. I think they're just ready to re hit the reset button. Um, the teams that fired their coaches midseason, those were teams that just had really poor seasons. Um, and thank God the Falcons fire Arthur Smith. What an idiot. Yeah. Um, to me, Jim, like you said, Jim Harbaugh to LA is a perfect fit. It just is. I think he, if they decide they can give up some control, he, that is going to be their next coach. Mike Vrabel from Tennessee, I also thought was the same situation. I think the Tennessee kind of just wants to start young. And I think Vrabel is like, hey, I want to win now. So I think it's just they're mutually parting to get in different directions. The one I think – that fits well is I do like Bill Pelichick to Atlanta because Atlanta's had top eight picks the last three or four years. They have another one coming this year. I think they're ready to maybe get that young pick, maybe make some trades and attack that weak NFC South. I mean, the Bucks got it at nine and eight and the Falcons are there with the worst coach I've ever seen in the football at the last week. So I think the Falcons would be a good fit for Bill, but that's really all if I got. If the Falcons don't get throttled by the Bears, they might yeah. have made the playoffs. Yeah. I would be shocked if Mike McCarthy is fired in Dallas. Not They need a shakeup. If that's the shakeup, then I understand. Um, he's done great during the regular season, so I'd be shocked. But if he is fired, the only person I would want is Bill Belichick or Mike Vrabel because they're going to come and say, this shit sucks, boys. Guess what? You're terrible. And they're going to go in there and just piss people off. And I would like Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll ain't leaving. They said Pete Carroll's going to go into the Seahawks owner in the um, GMs and all those things. So it doesn't look like he's going to leave the organization, just not be their coach. Okay, that's going to take us into our uh, picks of next week. And before we do that, we're going to jump into our picks from this week. And for the third straight week, I came out ahead in first place. I went four and two, missing the Cowboys and the Browns game. Uh, Roy was in second at three and three, and Bryce had the worst week at two and four. So that jumps to our overall. Me and Roy are tied in first place at 76 and 52. And Bryce is two games back at 74 and 54. Yeah, so I need a big week. I have been on the have been on a run right here. Chasing Roy down each week slowly and steady. I finally got a tied. The next we got four games this week. So yeah, I can only, tell you I'm going for four for four this week. You only have seven games oh, left. Four four this week, two next week. And one for the Super Bowl. So you only got seven games left. So it's coming down to the wire. Um, and the graphics are going to be right here for both of those. Um, so that'll take us into our picks of the week. Saturday, 
Four seed Texans are going into Baltimore to face the one seed Ravens. Roy, who you got? Ravens, not even hands down. Okay. Yeah, I've been talking about the Texans all year, but give me the Ravens. I said last week I probably would have picked the Ravens to lose first round, but I went and did some research. The Texans have not played well in outdoor stadiums this year. They've played well in indoor stadiums because that offense can play. Give me the Ravens, but I think it's closer than most people think. Saturday night, seven-seed Packers go to the one-seed 49ers. 49ers by 40. I'm just kidding. Give me the Niners, though. Yeah, also give me the Niners. I think the Packers' little stint is going to be over. Oh, I think Niners by at least two touchdowns. Yep. That takes us into Sunday where we do have some two good games on Sunday because not the one-seeds are playing. The four-seed Bucks will go into Detroit and play the Lions. Bryce, who you got in this one? Give me the upset. I think Baker Mania is going to come out, and they're just going to put points on, and the Lions aren't going to be able to run the ball like they want to, and Jared Goff's going to start making those mistakes. Yep. Roy? I'm going to go Lions. I think the Lions at home will just do it, and I think their defense will do just enough to win. I'm also going to go with the Lions. I just I think Jared Goff in home will not make the mistakes in Detroit, and I have a feeling Baker might make one or two mistakes being Baker. Give me the Lions in a very close game. And probably the game of the week Sunday, the three-seeded Chiefs do finally go to Buffalo instead of Arrowhead, and they'll play in Buffalo to face the Bills' two-seed. Bryce, who are you taking in this one? Give me the Bills. I don't care how good their defense is. Josh Allen is playing out of his mind. He's going to put up points on that Chiefs defense, and their offense isn't clicking like it should be. So, Roy, who you got? I think this will be a good game. I think it'll be close, and I am going to go with the Bills at home. Damn it! I am going to go with the Chiefs. I just think that Bill, that Chiefs defense can slow down Josh Allen. What's that? You just got to get one opposite, right? Just this one, but I I do think the Chiefs are going to win this game. That defense played really well. I think they can slow down Buffalo enough, and I just, at the end of the day, think Mahomes will make the play against Josh Allen in this game. I just do. But this is going to be a great game, hopefully. Um, That's going to do it for our NFL segment. That's going to take us into MLB, where we only really had one signing, and it's going to be Marcus Stroman of the Yankees on a two-year, $37 million deal. And I looked this up for you, Roy. Third-year vested option. It will be a club option, not a player, for the – Third year, if in 2025, so this has nothing to do with this cup coming season, if in 2025 Stroman pitches 140 innings, he gets an $18 million club option. Or excuse me, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Player option. Player option. But so 140 innings pitched next year, he gets a player option of $18 million. Um, I'm going to let Roy take his thoughts on this one first. I don't like the signing. I mean, they need pitching, but Yankees need pitching with Stroman's not the and not the guy that I. I mean, he can pitch. He's not. He'll eat up innings, I think. But uh, he's he's getting older. I just don't think I. He's not a he's not a clubhouse guy. I just think I'm not a fan of this. I think they need a better number two. And but this is about what the Yankees are trying to get. So yeah, I'm not surprised. Uh, Bryce, I'll let you go. You you watched Stroman pitch the last few years. What do you think of the signing? I think that Stroman fits better with the Yankees than he is than he would have if he came back to the Cubs, and I think that might be a reason that the Cubs didn't really go after him at all. Uh, you know, he's had some injury issues, and I think that Stroman likes to be that one or two, and I don't know if he was going to be that at the Cubs this year. I mean, Steele was a Cy Young winner, and we're probably going to sign another pitching uh, prospect, 
We just signed that one from Imanaga. J- Imanaga from Japan. Yeah, from Japan. Uh, I think the Cubs are wanting to win, and a guy like Stroman who can't stay injury uh, free and has those bad games. I think it might be just them trying to rebuild this clubhouse, especially with the new manager. So it's it makes me upset that they didn't even offer him anything because you know he is a good player and he was our ace. So you feel like he should get an offer, but them not even offering, it just kind of hurts a little bit, you know, because he was a good player for the Cubs, and he seemed to like the atmosphere and that old-school Wrigley baseball, you know, so. Okay, all right, sounds good. All right. Yeah, so Roy had to go, so he already talked about his portion of this, and we're almost done here, but for me, the Marcus Stroman deal, opposite of Roy, I actually like the deal. Um, Marcus Stroman is not going to be our one. He is not going to be our two. It's going to be Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon, just how, how it has to be. Now, can he pitch above that? Yes. But that's where they're signing him as. They're signing him as their three. And for 18, $18.5 million a year for two years, because that's really what the deal is. I, I, the third year, you can't even predict it. So um, a two-year 18.5, that's really not a lot of money at all, um, especially for the Yankees. Um, I really like it. You know, he if he goes out there with a 3.5 ERA, 4 ERA for $18.5 million, and he's your three. Okay, you know what? Yeah. That's what he is. And if you get anything more, great. If you get anything less, guess what? He's your three, and it's a two-year deal. You can kind of scrap it. Um, I really like the signing. It really has to do with the money and the years. Um, the one thing I do like about Stroman is he does have that edge factor. He will go out there, and he will talk shit. And I'll tell you what, the New York Yankees need that because they're America's uh, evil empire, and – they have, a, they have a lot of likable players, Aaron Judge, Anthony Rizzo, Anthony Volpe, young guys. They have a lot of guys who they do not scare you in that regard of their attitude. Maybe their play does, but not their attitude. And the Yankees need a few of those guys in the clubhouse because it will really fire some people up, especially late in October. So I like the signing. Yeah, the last thing I want to say is what I was saying, he fits better with the Yankees because he's been a one. And you know going in he's not going to be the one. Yeah. So if you can have a pitcher who's been the one for the past however many years – going to be your third, what are teams going to, like, prepare to come out and place, face three guys that would be a one on a else. team? Yeah. I mean, that's what the Yankees have been missing is not having that that second, third, fourth rotation guy and allowing too much runs. I mean, yeah. Garrett Cole's probably the best pitcher in the league. I mean, that's just how it is. And then you got two guys who would start on another team back yeah. right behind them. So, And they have probably the most – I'd say they have the scariest bat order in the league. Yeah. They I have mean, the best one-two punch in baseball now. Yeah. I mean, they just have sure. big sticks everywhere. They're going to put up points, and if you've got guys that can go six innings and not even allow a run, yeah. maybe one-two, uh, that's a scary team going into the next year. Yeah. The, uh, the Yankees pivoted to Stroman after they talked to Blake Snell. His asking price was too high. They were out on um, – Dylan Cease of the White Sox trade, they were just asking for too much, and Corbin Burns' trade was just asking for too much. So this was their pivot. Um, I'm sure the Yankees would have liked to get a Blake Snell, a Jordan Montgomery, who also they contacted. doesn't seem like he wants to come back. So um, is it their ideal situation? No, they definitely had other options at first. But I like the signing. I just worry about the injury history because he, he has had injury history, and the Yankees are not deep in the pitching rotation right now. But again, for $18.5 million, I like the risk. That's a total risk reward. And if it falls flat on its face, you're really not out of much other than you just don't have that three now. Now your pitching depth goes away. But 
I like the uh, risk reward of Stroman more than I like the risk reward of Blake Snell because you're not playing, you're not paying Stroman 30 something million like you would have with Blake Snell. So, and Marcus Stroman's been a cup for the last year. So I'm going to pivot off that. And I'm going to ask you, Bryce, what does this mean for the Cubs? You did shine Shohei Imanaga from Japan, but you've lost um, Stroman and you have not re-signed Bellinger as of yet. You know, he's still a free agent. So what does this mean for the Cubs? Where, where do you think they pivot or do you think Imanaga was the pivot? I think Imanaga was the start. Well, yeah. they started with getting a new clubhouse manager and paying a shit ton of money for him, taking him from the Brewers. That was our start. You know, we thought we were going to put in a big offer for Shohei. Obviously didn't do that. Yep. I mean, Dodgers just gave him a billion dollars, basically. Yep. So you didn't see that happen. We kind of waited for a while. Let that. What's the other pitcher that just went to the Dodgers? What's his name? Um, Yamamoto. Yamamoto. We let him go first. Took our guy. I think that might have lowered the price maybe a little bit if we would have signed him first. Maybe he wouldn't have wanted more because he's comparing himself or whatever. But to me, now we definitely signed Bellinger back. I don't think there's a single Cub fan in the country that thinks we're not getting Bellinger back at this point. Uh, they just had their like photo shoot dinner thing. Dansby immediately yep. said, we got to re-sign Belly. We're not doing anything until we do that. So Belly's the first step. Next step, get someone like Chapman. Or Hater. Chapman and Hater would be ideal. That would be my ideal offseason is to get those three players to come. I think it's hard to get all of them, but I think Hater is the better of the two for Chapman. You know, Patrick Wisdom can play third base still, but he's still that guy in the lineup that's going to hit you home runs but strike out a ton. Yeah. I mean, he swings a big bat. Uh, so I'm hoping that we sign all three of those guys and then – Maybe pick up a pitcher somewhere. I mean, no. uh, we had some good pitching coming back last year. Um, we have some injuries. Like, people like Michael Fulmer, they have great games. Yeah. But we need guys like that to be consistent. Like, Kyle Hendricks is playing. He was playing great towards the end of the season. So, we look like we have the pitchers that we need. We just need that relief pitcher and the third baseman. Plus, Belly has to come back. Yeah. Yeah. I hate to break it to you. We'll not be signing all three of those guys because yeah. – I'll tell you what, Josh Hader's asking prices through the roof right now. He wants starter money, over $20 million a season to pitch an inning. He's just – I am not. I won't say he's not going to get it, but he won't get it from a team that is trying to compete because that's a lot of money, unless it's the Dodgers who don't have any spending limits. So, yeah. um, But besides that, I do think the Cubs need to bring back Cody Bellinger. That's got to be your next pivot. You did not spend any big money. Even I was a short – or a five-year deal, not a lot of money you got to spend money somewhere. You've already done it with your coach, so you're not afraid to do it. You're not spending any money toward anyone outside of Dansby a little bit, but he's not making 30-plus. Yeah. 30 uh, and Bellinger's market's definitely been quiet. You know, I would have thought even long gone, even before January, I thought winter meetings Bellinger was going to go. Um, it's got to be the Bellinger. Outside of that, that's kind of – I mean, if the Cubs are going to spend on Bellinger, because he's going to ask for quite a bit of money. He has Scott Boris as his agent. That's how it works. Um, outside of that, you know, small names, piece it together, maybe make a deadline deal in the season. But I think Bellinger has to be the pivot. Yeah. And I think other than maybe a small name, they are done with the pitching staff. The starting rotation, let's say. Yeah. Um, that's going to take us to if you want to do any changes on your free agent. We all missed on Stroman. I believe I already deleted it. I believe we all had the Cubs. Could be wrong, but I know we yeah. all missed because I love um, I know that I'm going to make one, and it's going to be for Jordan Montgomery. I am going to take Roy's advice, I think. I am going to have Jordan Montgomery going back to Texas. 
uh, for mine. So that is going to be my only change. The rest I'm going to sit. I don't think Josh Hader is a Yankee, but I'm not going to adjust my thing quite yet. Uh, but we all miss on Stroman. Is there any changes you would like to make to yours, Bryce? Um, I think I want to stay where I'm at. Okay. And again, this is just for a week. You know, you can always do it next week. Yeah. Um, but that's the only one that I wanted to get changed. Uh, I really should change Bellinger to the Cubs because I think it's where he's going to end up. But I'm not going to do it just in case. Um, not yet. Maybe if I hear some rumblings. So we've been doing Josh's advice, Bryce's facts, and Roy's old man wisdom. We are going to be making a change. It's going to be Josh's lock of the week in the betting world. It's going to be Bryce playing a game, usually with me and Roy, but Roy had to dip out of here early. Yeah. Got some, take his son to a basketball game. And then Roy's old man wisdom will continue to be Roy's old man wisdom because we know you love it. Uh, my lock of the week, I'm going to pull up my phone to make sure the line has not changed, but... And these are my locks. These do not have to be a universal lock where you're going to win, bet $100 and win 20 You know, it's not going to work like that. This is what I am trusting and I believe. Um, and every every bet that we do that I say on this, I will be betting myself. So take it with you what you will. But to me, this is my lock of the week. And uh, my lock of the week is going to go in the football world, the AFC divisional round. And the line has changed, so I'm glad I looked. I will be taking the Kansas City Chiefs plus three on the road, even if they don't win. I just feel like this is going to be one of those tight ball games where even a field goal wins it for Buffalo, you still push and you don't lose. So I'm going to make Kansas City plus three my lock of the week. Book it. Yeah, do not bet that. All right. Uh, we're going to move on to my game of the week. Uh, this week I got an easy one. Uh, we'll see if Josh can get it. I wish Roy was here to also partake. But the question this week is, can you name the six teams with red, white, and blue in their colors in the NFL? Oh, I like I like these games. Okay. Red, white, and blue. Yes. Okay, I can't, in their logo. I can't pull up a list of NFL teams. I yes. can't, it has to be from my head. All right. Let's start in the NFC. NFC West. The Arizona – whoa. Red – they have to have – Red, white, and blue. All in the logo, yes. Oh, in the logo. Okay, so not just a jersey. Okay, yes. no, takes the Cardinals out. Red, white, and blue. Ooh. NFC West, Seahawks, uh, 49ers, Cardinals, and then who's, I don't know, but no. NFC South. Red, white, blue. The Houston Texans. Houston Texans is one. Jacksonville Titans. Red. I will do the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans are one. And then no. The Colts, red, no. NFC East. Cowboys. Red. Ooh, do the Giants have any red in the logo? Hmm. I'm going to say no. They have red somewhere, just not in the logo, I don't think. But maybe. I'm going to go to the New York Giants. The New York Giants do have a thin red yeah, line. I, I, I started to see it in my head yeah. after I kept talking about it. That's three of the six. Eagles uh, in Washington. Red. No. I don't think the Redskins have any blue. Or, excuse me. How racist. Uh-uh. <laughs> Commanders. 
NFC North, Packers, Bears, uh, Lions, Vikings. AFC. I can AFC North. Buffalo Bills. Yes. That is four. Patriots. Yes, that is five. You're missing one team. Come on, baby. I want this bad. I would say this team is the hardest, and when I played this game, this is the only team I missed. Okay. Dolphins, no. Jets, no. AFC North. Or, that was AFC East. AFC North. Baltimore. Pittsburgh. Red. White. And blue. Give me the Pittsburgh Steelers. It is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Josh goes for six and wins the first game. Let's go. I get the Pittsburgh Steelers when I do it. The Stars. Yep. Who needs a list? That's pure memory. And I can't stand football right now because of these fuckers. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Man, that will fire you up. I don't know what will. Yeah. Roy, do your old man wisdom facts right now. Um, Hey, um, the only old man wisdom. When you stare at somebody in the face, stare in their eyes, but not too, not too uh, creepy. Okay, that was my old. Okay, I got. Thank go. you. All right, that's gonna do it for our tenth podcast. Again, thank you guys for watching. And football season coming to an end. We need you guys to go into the comment section and write what you want us to talk about. We are going to talk about each NFL team after the season ends. Yes, I've broken it down. How many podcasts we have from the time the Super Bowl ends until the draft. So we will not be talking – we might be able to do this over post-draft and talk about future of what we think happens then. We will be doing three teams each week, um, and we'll go from the number one pick all the way through. Now, teams that don't have a pick, we'll filter them in where they should. Um, like, we're going to start with the Panthers as the first team because that's who really had the number one, you know, in that order. Um, but we're going to go over three teams, and we're going to review their season, any coaching changes, any trades that they've made, Everything. We're going to break down the team very hard, and we're going to say a f- like future things that we like, what we don't like, all those things. So we're going to be breaking teams down, and we will have special guests on. If that we know someone with that team, we will have special guests on to talk about them as well. So some exciting news coming yep. in that regard, and I think that's all I mean, we got this it. week. Yep. Yeah. So thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and put in the comments. Peace. Yep. Thank you.